Welcome to Plans Are Booked, a podcast for every reader. I'm Molly Galler. I'm Stephanie Blackburn. And I'm Caitlin Madison. Welcome, friends. Um, we're really excited to be here. So, we wanted to, in episode one, discuss a little bit about our reader origin stories, how we got the name for this podcast, um, just kind of give you some background info. And then we're going to be launching into some episodes where we talk about books. So we're really excited. Um, So our podcast is called Plans Are Booked. um, And we were trying to come up with something punny. We were reaching out to some friends. We were doing some Googling, trying to figure out, you know, what's already been taken, what's out there, what sounds too similar to things that we came up with. Um, and my brother's college roommate, shout out to Zebo, um, he gave me a list and one of them was Plans Are Booked. And Zebo is an avid reader. We're constantly trading um, ideas for books, ratings, skip that, it's not worth it, this one's amazing, put it to the top of your pile. Um, so he graciously offered this to us and then I found out that he was maybe going to do a book blog once upon a time, and he had kind of saved that one for himself, and then it never came to fruition. So we stole it with his blessing, and I'm hoping that he maybe wants to be on the podcast one of these days and talk about some books that he's into. Um, But that's kind of how we came up with our podcast name, and it works perfectly for the three of us because... We are three very busy people, and even to get us together for a lunch date sometimes requires pretty much a doodle pull. So (laughs) we were like, you know what? Our plans really are booked in more than one way. We're crazy readers. We trade books nonstop, and in addition to that, we're just really busy people in our personal and professional lives. So double meaning works for us, mm-hmm. thought that it thought that it really clicked and resonated with us and that it would resonate with other people as well. Um, and it's kind of catchy and hip, so we're into it. Um, I think it probably makes sense at this point for Molly to hop into how we are all friends because she is the connector of the group that got this this trio together, so... Molly. Yes, let's talk about how we all met, share our trio origin story, if you will. Caitlin and I went to Wheaton College together, shout out to the people in Norton, Massachusetts, and discovered pretty quickly that we both love to read. We're sharing books constantly. After we graduated, we were living in Boston, and we would get together to talk books, to talk movies, to go to concerts, and it just so happened that we were excited about the same concert. At the same time, Stephanie and I had met through a mutual friend. They went to college together. We met while I was still at Wheaton. Mm -hmm. And then Stephanie was living in Somerville. Side note, I didn't know that. I did not know that you met Steph while we were at Wheaton. Because I'm older. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Steph's the old lady of the group, but not by much. And since Stephanie was living in Somerville, I graduated, I moved to Somerville, we started to see each other more often. Wait, can we just quickly interject to say the first time Molly came to my apartment was for the Winter Games opening ceremonies, and she fell asleep. Somebody loves to tell the story. (laughs) Whoa. That was my first impression, that I'm so fun to hang out with that I'd fall asleep. 
and I don't even think I've ever seen you fall asleep anywhere before <laughs> in like 20 plus years. Yeah, so it first... was notable. Wow. And somehow she still wanted to be friends with me. Were you at least like drunk or something? No. no. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think just, just exhausted from the enthusiasm of it all oh, for the Olympics, goodness. which we all still share enthusiasm for the also, Olympics. Also, I think that this February, it will be 18 years. Sounds right. That's I think that was spring 2006. The year I graduated, because we came to look at apartments, yep. and then we came over to watch at your house. So yeah, spring of 2006. Long time. Molly and I, fun fact, lived on the same floor my freshman year, and I didn't meet her until the following year. <laughs> Even though there was only one bathroom and on that floor. is a really tiny college. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, I lived on Meadows West 3rd. And I'm like, I lived on Meadows West 3rd. What are you talking about? <laughs> wild it all came back together so flash forward a couple of years after graduation and caitlin and i and stephanie and i separately were each talking about going to the justin timberlake jay-z concert at fenway park and i thought you know what these guys would get along they like a lot of the same things so i just asked each of them individually if it would be okay to invite the other person got the tickets we met for dinner before the concert mm -hmm. at Citizens Public House, if anyone's been there, next to Fenway Park. I immediately thought Caitlin was hysterical. These two were on a first date. I felt like <laughs> I was third wheeling these two. It was like a match made in heaven. I think four or five separate times I said to Molly, and I didn't know the term gatekeeping because it was like, what, 15 years ago at this point. But I said to her, I was like, how have you not introduced like why has this not occurred yet we were trading pop culture gossip and whatnot what have you yeah. have you read this book yes do you watch this show yes it was like i mean i think steph and i would have like maybe gone on a second date without <laughs> molly like and we hadn't even made it to the concert yet like we were just at the meal and yeah. i was like wow what this is wild when i look at that picture of the three of us sitting in our seats at the concert i always think to myself oh caitlin and stephanie's first date it really was <laughs> such a fun night and it's been awesome that since then we've all been able to hang together and still share our love of books and movies and pop culture and celeb gossip and all three of us now live in the same town <laughs> in Watertown. So we kind of brought it all even closer than it was before to share the same zip code. And it makes it super easy for us to get together for these recordings. So we're quite excited. Yeah. It's basically a neighborhood podcast. Um, <laughs> we've already got contingency plans about like who can walk to whose house if it snows and we want to record an app. Like we're dedicated and this thing is just getting started. So I'm just... <laughs> I want people Buckle to know we are, <laughs> we're ready. I will pass it to Stephanie. We wanted to share a little bit more about each of us and sort of what we're excited about, what we like to read. Um, Steph will kick us off. All right. Um, so I am the elder of the group. True. <laughs> I'm not going to say my age. Um, I am a self-proclaimed cat lady. Um, I also foster dogs on occasion. Um, we are hosted today in my dining room and tons of Halloween decorations because my sister is obsessed. Um, let's see. I renovate houses. This is my full-time job since last March. 
Um, so as this podcast continues, I will probably have moments of stress. I hope not to transmit that over um, the radio waves, if you will, but we shall see. Um, I think it's totally reasonable to do that, and then you can say, this is why I'm reading this super slutty book right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Right? And the yeah. books are a good distraction when exactly. you're waiting Absolutely. for an offer. Yeah. Not to out you as reading those types of books <laughs> or anything, but people are going to find out pretty soon. <laughs> no, I, I do end up needing lighter material when I'm working on a house. Also, I am a writer, and I cannot write when I'm working on a house. Something about... The stress of it kind of shuts down my brain. I can really only focus on one major project at a time. Um, anything else I'm forgetting about myself? I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. All right, Caitlin, you could give it a go. Okay. Well, I had a podcast in 2009 about the show Friday Night Lights, and a friend of mine that lived in South Carolina, I live in Massachusetts, we interviewed people from the show and we did reviews of the show and it was while I was in grad school and living with my parents and it was a really awesome escape. Um, so I have done podcasting before but it is a totally different animal now, like we were recording on Skype and I, the headset I had, I looked like I worked at McDonald's drive-thru, <laughs> like it was a joke. So this is like a lot more high caliber. There was a lot more to learn. So I'm excited to get back into it. Um, in terms of me and who I am, I was a middle school English teacher for about a decade. And then the pandemic hit and I was feeling really burnt out and stressed. So I took a back step and helped my brother reopen his dental practice, which had been closed during COVID. And I've been managing that for about three and a half years. So if anybody ever needs any advice on dental insurance, please let me know. It's one area of expertise I never anticipated to have, but here we are. Um, and this year I started teaching middle school English again part-time, and I'm still working for my brother. So I'm kind of straddling like office desk job world, which is a kind of a bizarre land that I don't totally love every day. I really like being with kids and teaching a lot more. Um, but I'm, I'm in the process of uh, figuring out what I want to do. And books have always been kind of the driving force of wanting to be a teacher. So that's kind of... Where I am, I have no pets yet, so I have nothing to brag about there. Yeah, but you take care of Winnie from time to time. I do take care of my brother's dog from time to time, and she does come into the office twice a week now, so I do have that. And um, you come over when I have foster dogs, too. I, I do love dogs. It will happen one day. It will happen one day. Um, It'll definitely happen. I feel yeah. confident about that. Yeah, yeah. All right, Molly, you're up. Where to begin? Um... <laughs> In my professional life, I work for a PR agency. We represent tech startup companies, which is kind of a cool space to be in, seeing things that are happening for the first time or technology that's being debuted for the first time. So it's kind of like the geeky part of my job, getting to see things before other people see them, like autonomous vehicles and electric airplanes and all kinds of things like that. I have been moonlighting in the background for a long time, since 2009, as a food blogger. Food is probably my 
biggest passion in life. Maybe that's number one, reading number two. <laughs> so I have been traveling all over the world, sharing about restaurants and small business owners and people who are doing amazing things. Um, and through the blog, I actually started covering what I was reading. I never thought that I would do that, but especially during the pandemic, when a lot of restaurants were closed, people were looking for ways to pass the time at home. And I started sharing every single thing I was reading. And it was amazing because other people started to share back what they were reading. And I was getting this great recommendation engine of people who had been reading my thoughts for over 10 years and sort of knew what I would be into. And that was a nice and unexpected perk of that time at home. I do live with my dog, Scout. I'm sure that he will make either audio appearances on this at some point, <laughs> or you will see him on our social media account. But um, he is the star of my life. I plan all of my days every day around his schedule. And it's been awesome planning this with Caitlin and Steph and to feel like we have a place to share with more people all the stuff that we love talking about because we are big, big, big book nerds. So we're excited to gather other people who are into the same things as us. We also wanted to share with you how we got into reading because yeah, that's, that's sort of the joy. Molly, I feel like you forgot like a big piece of... What, what did I forget? So... I'm like a little surprised. Like Molly's also fluent in Spanish, and like when oh. we started, when we were at Wheaton together, I was like, "Oh, Molly's gonna like go out in the world and like be a translator and travel all over the place." And she's like, "Oh, I got a job in PR," and I was like, "What does that have to do?" With yeah, that's true. That's true. So I, Caitlin's making a good point. I was a double major in college, uh, Hispanic studies and sociology, and I actually thought I was going to get my master's in nonprofit administration. That was my original goal to work for an organization that was women focused. And I hope that being able to speak Spanish would help with that. And in the end, after doing two thesis papers, one for each major, I was like, man, I'm exhausted. I don't think I can study and take the GMAT. So I decided to work first, thinking I would go back later. Surprise, never happened. I think that you might find your way to women-led nonprofits at some point. Totally. In it could totally I, come back around to that. I could see that in the future. I'm glad that we have this moment of evidence because... <laughs> yes, you're right. So we can call it back in the future. And that's... So as the token podcaster of the group, the person that's done this before, it's forever. Just so you that's want to That's true. That's yeah. true. So it is kind of fun to go back and be like, on this date, yep. we said this, and then Molly actually freaking did it. Yeah, you know what I mean? True. Like, it's, it's a fun... And I'm sure, Molly, you feel that way about your blog that you've had for a thousand years because you can go back and, like, like the timestamp thing is, like, such a fun It's very cool. Of... It's like a living, breathing diary of all the things and how you were feeling at the time and who you were with and what you got to experience. And even though some of those posts now, I mean, I started January 2009, so some of those posts are pretty deep in the archive. It's been very cool to look back on all the things that have changed. For example, here in Boston this week, Eastern Standard reopened after a long closure during the pandemic. That was my favorite restaurant for a long time. And I think my first blog post about them is from that year, 2009. So to be able to see them kind of Phoenix rise from the ashes in this new location after a couple of years of closure is very cool. Um, I will also say for anyone else listening who is a language person, Caitlin mentioned that I speak Spanish, but I'm also brushing up on my Hebrew, on Duolingo. I'm very obsessed with my Duolingo streak. I'm on day 1,223 today. that's huge. So. I just did the math, that's like four years. 
it's I'm somewhere between year three and year four. Um, and my goal is to be able to be much more independent on my next trip to Israel so that I don't have to rely on friends and cousins to be my translators. It will surprise no one. I've already mastered all the food vocabulary for menus. Um, but figuring out how to say you work in PR for tech startups is a little bit harder to learn. So the streak will continue. Um, and yes, maybe the Spanish language thing will come back around or the women led organization will come back around. That's true. You threw me back to Do that you, time. Just another fun fact about Molly. Her parents live in Miami now. Do you use Spanish a lot when you're in Miami? I do when I'm there. There are so many people across every different industry, hotels, restaurants, the fantastic women at the nail salon who are all native Spanish speakers, many who moved from South America um, or even people from Spain. It's such an international city in that way. Um, it is super helpful to speak Spanish in Miami, even if you're just trying to get around the airport. I would say Spanish feels like the dominant language there over English. It's actually when you're in restaurants, most of what you hear is people speaking Spanish. So You've also my, used it when we've been on vacation. Yes, vacation places we've gone to in the Caribbean. It's very helpful, especially when you're asking for directions or you realize that you're not in a place that you're supposed to be. Or even if we just want to like buy something beautiful that we see in an open air market, that kind of thing. There were two guys that walked up to us in the Bahamas, and I had no idea what they were saying, and she just conversed. Yes, sometimes it does come in handy. And also, I have found that if you want to really like brush up on your language skills while you're here in America, the best thing to do is, one, listen to the music, and two, watch the TV shows. It's totally cool if you have English subtitles, but just to try to get that auditory piece so you're not just always practicing from your own sound, but you're hearing receptive language, too. Um has been really helpful. We don't just love books here, we love words too. Yeah, so, so true. <laughs> just encompassing all of that. So true. Yeah, Steph, why don't you talk to us about like how you fell in love with books, where it all began? Okay. Um, well, my mother did something really right when I was little and she got me a library card at a very young age. Um, she would read to me every night before bed mostly I mean obviously we did the picture books when I was really little but we started with um like local historical fiction so we read Constance which is about um Constance Hopkins from Plymouth Plantation and then after reading it we did a field trip so we went to sort of place what we had read in a physical place we also read I believe it was called Liddy or Lydia which was about um the girl the very young girls who worked in the Lawrence and Lowell Mills mm. And then we went to the mills and experienced how crazy that working experience was. It's called Lydia. I read that one too. Oh. Um, so the Pepperell Library, which is um, forever immortalized in Barbara Cooney's um, Miss Rumphius book, um, was like a big part of my childhood. We would go every week. I would get the max number of books I could get. Um, the children's section was downstairs, the adult section was upstairs and had like stuffed animals and I'm not talking children's stuffed animals, I'm talking like, um, taxidermy, taxidermy stuffed animals. So that was always like a little creepy to go into the adult section. The library had taxidermy animals? <laughs> so upstairs had this like dome, this beautiful, beautiful dome and around the ridges of it were like birds, foxes, you know, like those types of, th I don't know. Woodland creatures. Yes. Things you might see in Pepperell, Massachusetts. Did that fit on theme with the rest of the library? <laughs> it was a very, I think someone had donated them. I could be wrong about that, but I think 
Who knows? I'm surprised. So, Steph and Molly are vegetarians, so I'm a little surprised that Steph continued to want to go to this library. I mean, I stuck to the children's section. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. Um, But so, I, you know, we started with picture books for sure, and then those types of books. But then on my own, I started reading Babysitter's Little Sister and then moved into Babysitter's Club. Classic. I did the boxcar children for a while. Um, And then I got into... Were you a Sweet Valley High person? Oh my god, you literally just read my mind. I started with Sweet Valley Kids, then did Sweet Valley Twins, then did Sweet Valley High. And then as a middle schooler... I punched above my age and I read Sweet Valley University, which had <laughs> I didn't even know there was stuff. a university. Oh yes. I didn't know about the twins or the what was the junior? Kids is when they're little. Twins is when they're I think middle school age, okay. high, Sweet Valley High, and then Sweet Valley University. So I was learning about saucy stuff at a very young age. Um, <laughs> and my dad called it smut. So I started to feel guilty about reading the books I loved. Like, I loved Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield. Like, I wanted to be their friend. Um, so, you know, I started to feel like I needed to read a certain type of book because my dad, sorry, dad, for shouting you out like this, but he called it smut. Like, I just felt, and I think that's why I took such a long break from reading romance books is because I felt kind of shamed by it. Um, I also want to shout out um, the Scholastic Book Fair for feeding my obsession. Oh, yeah. There was a kid in my second grade class, maybe, who had unlimited money when we went into the book fair. I was, like, allowed maybe two books. He could buy whatever he wanted, and I was so jealous of him because I just wanted everything. Um, and then I don't know if you guys had this, but the, I think it was called the, the Book It program, Book It Reading program, where you got a sticker for every book that you read, when you filled up the sheet, you went to Pizza Hut, you got your own personal pan pizza, we drove all the way to Acton, it was like a big to-do, um, so that always sort of fed my, my like, literally, yes, <laughs> um, so then in high school, I stopped reading, I hated the books that they made us read for summer reading, I would wait until a week before school started, and then be miserable, Reading You're it. Breaking um, Caitlin's I English just teacher lied heart. and said that I read the five books I was supposed to read. Oh. And my mom would sign off on it. We would Shout do... out, mom. I don't know why she did that. She should have <laughs> shamed me. Joyce. But I, think, I think that she was like, I will feel ashamed also. Yeah. So let's just fudge it. Well, we would have like an entire week or two stuff in every single class based on those books. I do that as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Hypocrite. Uh, I do that as a teacher, but I did not experience that because we could read any five books we wanted. Now oh. it's like assigned books yep. of like come in having read this over the summer yep. so that we have something to talk about and you can do like benchmark assessments and find out who understood what it is that you've assigned and all that. I think sophomore summer was the year they made us read a Ursula K. Le Guin book, which was like a sci-fi I, I couldn't even tell you what the plot was, but I had no idea what was going on. And on top of that, I didn't have re- time to really read on my own. I was in three sports. I was in an acapella group. I had no time to read on my own, so I sort of fell out of love with books for a while there. And then I would say it was like maybe the summers, summer after freshman year of college, I started like frequenting the tables at Barnes & Noble mm. that were like the, what is it, like $10 and less the sales section 
and I blew through all of the Nicholas Sparks books that oh, he had yeah. written at that point in time. Because I think that was also around the time that the movie... Um, the Notebook? No, before that. Uh, Mandy Moore. A Walk to Remember. Thank you. So I started with that book um, and fell in love with books all over again. And that's when I started trying to write for myself because I thought, I, I could do this. I mean... <laughs> I can do this, but it, it was sort of a, it was a test, I guess. And it did take me a few years to write my first book, which admittedly is not a good book. Um, but I'm proud of myself for doing it. Summer and at 19. <laughs> I think that, um, it reignited my love for writing and reading. And then I ended up switching my major from English to writing and got a degree in expository writing and a minor in English. Um, and since then I have acquired quite a addiction to purchasing more books than I have time to read. If in the entirety of our friendship, I've never heard about you going to a library. Oh no. Cause I have. <laughs> right. So maybe that, maybe this podcast will get Steph back in the library. I like that. No, but here's the thing. Is a pod resolution. <laughs> Maybe, except I didn't have issues with germs as a child. And since moving to Boston and sitting in pee on the red line on multiple occasions, I have acquired a pretty, pretty significant germ issue to the point where I don't sit on my couch in outdoor clothes. So touching a book that other people have touched, you're looking at me like you're... (laughs) Have you bought any books secondhand? Like, I buy a lot of books at, like, thrift shops and places where you can get them for, like, a dollar. I'm not going to tell you where my... I order books from eBay stuff, and I give them to you all the time. But don't tell me. I don't want to know that there's germs on them. It came from someone else's. (laughs) What if they sneezed? Don't give any brain space to that. (laughs) I am rolling my eyes at Steph right now, and I know that nobody can see that, so I just want to narrate for you that I just rolled my eyes at Stephanie because we're in her dining room, and it's literally... Oh, it's not clean. It's it's not even that it's not clean. It's it's like we are in a cat castle. There's cat furniture everywhere, like... But these are familiar cats are they're into everything and they're all over all the furniture and stuff's like I mean I can't possibly wear my jeans that I wore outside. (laughs) I can't possibly touch a book precious couch that the cats just like (laughs) own pretty much. In my head it makes sense. I'm I'm glad. If that gives you comfort, (laughs) I'm happy for you. Yeah. Um I also want to say that as a child of the 90s well i mean a child of the 80s but the beauty and the beast movie influenced my adult desires and i have not given up my hope of one day having a room dedicated to a library with a ladder that has wheels i think we all share the bell dream you can have small ladders that just sort of i just have to interject (laughs) and comment that when we were um having the logo designed for this podcast I had to give the artist all these, like, inspirational images of what we thought our brand was, if you will. Which is kind of hard to do when you haven't started the podcast yet. True. Right? So, I was like, what do Steph, Molly, and I send each other on Instagram as, like, daydream, wishful thinking, like, homes? And so I sent the artist these 
photographs of really extensive libraries that were just like covered in plants and like really like cozy like hammock style seats with just books everywhere so the second you said the beauty and the beast thing i was like yeah i was like <laughs> we totally branded ourselves correctly yeah. for this because um that's what i sent the guy and yeah. he came up with a great logo so well i mean i'm i'm two shelves in i'm two bookcases in i mean i'm on my way that's true in that room and i would say i have to say that i hate the design element that is rampant right now where people put the spines on the inside so all you see are light brown pages that's a thing oh it's horrible you it's everywhere how do you find the book i don't to know to someone i don't know it's i mean i you know i love neutral colors but that to me is like sacrilege um i am an organizer so all my books are let me think there's a cubby for dystopian ya there's another cubby for like the whole Jenny Han, John Green of it all. Um, there's a section for historical fiction. There's one for saucy books. Um, I have an animal section. I have an adult thriller section. I have a children's section. There's an entire cubby still for you. Oh yeah, Molly. that's the Molly wants to read but can't fit it in her own home. Correct. Cubby. So they're just sitting in that cubby. Um, and then there's 10 piles in my bedroom that I haven't gotten to. But those are the books that have been read. And cookbooks. Get back to me when you also have a classroom library <laughs> to deal with. Because, wow. Yeah. Can I jump in? Uh, let me just finish by saying that my favorite genre, um, I do read a lot of different genres, but my favorite that I like to return to is England, 1400s to 1700s. Um, obsessed with Tudors versus Yorks and Catherine Aragon and continuing with the theme of reading historical fiction and then going to the place. When I was in Spain a million years ago, I made my family go to La Alhambra just so I could imagine her traipsing through the halls in her gowns before she went off Love to that visual. the Tudors. So, Caitlin. You've never let me a book. Of that era. And I oh, I have a whole cubby. I think it's because I wouldn't read it. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. And that's it's, okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like she lost things. me at 1400. <laughs> so, um, my reading origin story is very different. I, too, had a library card at a young age and a mom that read to me all the time. I was an early reader. I was reading before I went to kindergarten. was very proud about that. But reading was very competitive for me. Hmm. So, like, I knew that, like, in my classes we had leveled reading groups. And, like, I knew what other kids could read like I could. And it became very competitive for me. And then at a certain point in elementary school, it's like, okay, there isn't anything else for me to learn in terms of reading as a skill. And so I'm kind of, like, out on it now. So I once I, like, reached my peak of, like, okay, I've always been in the top reading groups, I was, I don't know whether it was because we were reading boring books or hmm. what it was, but I just was not interested in it. I was the kid that did swim team and softball all summer, and my mom had to fudge my summer reading sheet for me, saying that I read five books over the summer when I didn't read a single one. Can I interject for one second and say that, in the however many years since we were children, there are so many more books now that weren't available to us. I know. I know. Um, 
so yeah elementary school i saw it as this like competitive skill um for better or worse and then middle school i remember reading one or two books like i remember reading the giver and thinking that that was really good mm. That's still one of my favorites, and now I've taught it, so I've seen that book on both sides, which is really cool. Um, and I also remember reading Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, which oh, yeah. is another book that um, I'm teaching this year, and I've taught it before. Um, and so I have core memories of certain books in middle school, but those are two books yeah. out of how many years of school. That's until I was like 13 or 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I just wasn't really into it. I also think that the internet really curbed my reading or my time for reading. Like, mm-hmm. I've been sixth grade. We got AOL at my house, and I can't even begin to tell you the amount of hours I spent. Instant Messenger? On Instant Messenger, just being a disgusting teenager. <laughs> and so I was in the chat rooms. I was mm-hmm. in the fan forums. I was in the whatever. Um... I was the one that was, like, waiting for the boy to pop onto the chat all afternoon and was like, oh, my gosh, he's finally on. Like, should I Freshman year of college, I set my aim to make the ka-ching sound every time my crush signed on. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So that stepped up a lot of time. And then I got to high school, and um, I had some really good high school English teachers, and we read some really interesting books, like... One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was one that I remember reading. A Raisin in the Sun, Glass Menagerie. Like, we read some good stuff in ninth and 10th grade. The older I got in high school, the more, like, mundane and depressing the books became. But the first two years of high school, Hmm. I read some really good ones that I liked. Um, And then I took this elective, which was just called Mystery. I was like, are we writing mysteries? Are we reading mysteries? It was just for one quarter, so not even a whole semester. And the teacher was wicked old school. (laughs) My brother ended up having her too. She was wicked old school. She was like days away from retiring. She had been in the military. And then when she got out of the military, she became an English teacher. Does this in Concord? Yes. Okay. And... Your entire grade was based on how many words per week you wrote and how many pages you read. Which there were boys I feel signed up for this reader coming back. There were boys in this class that just like they had to do the writing, but in terms of the reading, they're like, Yeah, I read three books. And it's like, hey. And this teacher like did not give one F. Hmm. And but she had like, out of all my high school teachers, the most incredible classroom library. And so I was, like, going through the books, and I'm like, you know, she had so many mysteries because it was a mystery class. And I was like, hey, like, do you have any recommendations? And she was like, oh, this is a really good series. And she pointed me to this book by Faye Kellerman. And it's this entire detective series about this Orthodox Jewish couple. And they, the husband they're not together when the book series starts um but basically they live in LA and what is the title of the series um it, Peter Decker is the name of the detective and okay. then his wife is Rena Lazarus um and Faye Kellerman's husband is an author and one if not two of her children are authors and she's co-authored books with them 
the series that I got into with the Peter Decker character, I think there's over 30 books in the series now. And when I started reading them, there were like eight or something like that. But like very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not juicy necessarily, but like very nitty gritty crime novel that showed somebody trying to balance their family life and their faith with being a homicide detective. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. And I hadn't been into a series like since childhood. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I knew that there were that many books in the series and that she was still writing it. I went to the library like that week and got like every book from the series and just plowed through them. And so that was 10th grade. And then from there, I just was completely hooked. And I was like looking up on the internet, like other series. And um, there was something that was very um, relaxing to me about knowing that there were other books in the series Mm -hmm. and that I wouldn't have to be like on the hunt for my next read. So that's how I got hooked into that. I did become an English major in college because I thought I wanted to be a teacher for a really long time growing up. And then I was like, I actually think I want to be maybe an English teacher. Um, But I also was still interested in writing. And I was like, I think I shouldn't do education as a major. I should do English. And then that way I can kind of decide what it is that I want to do. Um... And when I got into teaching, I was like, I really need to figure out what kids read right now. Like, I have literally no idea. And young adult literature was not a term when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. That did not exist. Mm -hmm. It was like Boxcar Children, Sweet Valley High, Babysitter's Club, or you know, number the stars. You know what I mean? There was, it was very much like we have books for fifth graders and we have books for like 11th graders Mm -hmm. and there's like no really in between. Yeah. And it's such a huge genre now and there are so many, it's literature now. It's not like Mm -hmm. this junky mass produced, you know, there are plenty of series that exist, but, and that are really, really good, but it's not, it's cool to see the authors who are known now for adult fiction who have decided to write YA. People who originally definitely became well-known or became famous for their storytelling for adults and then saw the opportunity to also write something for earlier stage readers. I think mm-hmm. that's been awesome. People that we love who are giving time and energy and manuscript space to that category of reading so mm-hmm. that there are better choices. Totally. And it's also way more diverse. Like, yeah, I think about all those books that you mentioned growing up, like all of those people were white authors mm-hmm. about white people. Yep. You know, like we just did not have, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry is like so burnt into my memory is because I learned so many things reading that book. Um, that nobody had ever really explained to me or shared with me. And it it was so much more accessible reading about it in a novel than it was reading about it in a textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a really powerful way that you can leverage um, how to get 
that kind of historical information across to young people yeah um is to kind of make it more creative um at least for me it opened up a lot of doors of okay i want to know more about sharecropping and i want to know about the history of slavery and like when did it actually go away like i don't actually know any dates about that you know and so as like a 13 year old those were the kinds of things that i was starting to get curious about because i read a novel about it Mm -hmm. um so i my favorite genre is really hard for me but i think i would (laughs) say like top three or four i think i would say young adult literature I mean, that's what I think of when I think of you. Um, yeah, I think I would say young adult literature. Um, and part of that is because I would love to be a young adult literature author. As a quick aside, you did start writing something pretty great. About a well, year thank ago. you. Yeah, I did start writing a book. I finally did that, even though I've been saying I would do it for a while. And you need to keep doing it. I know, I need to keep doing it. This is <laughs> the peer pressure it. part of today's episode. <sighs> um, so... I would say young adult literature is my favorite. I know that's really, really broad um, in terms of topics, but I really like seeing characters that are coming of age and figuring out sense of humor, political opinions, friendships, how to navigate starting high school, how to navigate starting college, how to navigate leaving people behind or people leaving you or... All of those things, um, and I think that that's why so much of pop culture is, like, so many TV shows and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. like, have high school-aged characters, mm-hmm. is because high school is this, like, American touch point of most people experience high school, most people experience prom, heartbreak, It's when all your firsts stuff. happen. Yeah, all the firsts, yeah. all the, all the rites of passage, so... For whatever reason, that is super appealing to me um, as an area to read about and to write about. Um, And also, I teach middle schoolers who are actively doing that in front of my eyes on a regular basis. So, um, and it makes me feel like I'm staying somewhat hip. You know, just like knowing knowing what's going, you know. I, I like to joke around and be like, oh, well on your tiktok and they're like you have tiktok and i'm like uh yeah i always wow. thought my teachers were like maybe in their 40s or 50s they were like 28 <laughs> 30 32 yeah you just don't realize it because no. it seems so adult compared to the stage that you're at right and i think you until you're much later into your adulthood you don't understand how close in age you actually were mm-hmm. right to many of those people right yeah So, you know, I would say I wasn't like a late bloomer with reading by any means, but it wasn't like the love story that I feel like Steph had with books. It it took a little, took a little work, took the right timing, took the right books. Mm -hmm. Um, But you found it. I found it. And now (laughs) it's like my classroom library is robust. My at-home library is robust. My stacks to be read. If you check out our Instagram, I have over 60 books that I haven't read currently in my home. I don't own all of them, Mom. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> they're from friends like Most Molly and Steph. Um, but it's, uh, it's an obsession. It's an addiction. It's an obsession. I love reading stories. I love learning from stories. It's the best way for me to learn. 
the teachers that I learned the most from were people who could turn things into stories, Mm -hmm. whether that be in science class and talking about an inventor of something, or if it's history class and they're talking about what led up to the Vietnam War, like the people that tell it as a story, I'm going to remember it word for word. Which is maybe why you love Taylor Swift so much. Yeah. (laughs) Huge Swifty. Huge Swifty. Um... My students get a big kick out of how outward I am about being a Swifty, and I have a tour poster from 2011 in my classroom, and they weren't even born yet. (laughs) Ouch. And on that note, I'll hand it over to Molly. Oh, man, what a transition. Um, I, too, always read with my parents as a kid. That is, like, a very strong memory for me. And my sister and I had a favorite book. It was called Frank and Ernest. It was about two best friends. One was a bear. One was an elephant. I Stay don't with know me. This book. And they took over a diner for a friend of theirs who had to suddenly go out of town. <laughs> and it was all about how do they learn what to make? How do they know all the diner lingo? And for some reason, we were just obsessed with that book. Like we loved the idea of being in a restaurant and all the funny names that the kitchen uses for shorthand for things. I probably should have known that that would mean I would someday go into writing and documenting all of my food adventures. But um, I always try to give Frank and Ernest to people when they have small kids or like a baby is born. That's always part of my gift giving. Um, And then I really was a TV kid. So even though I have memories of being read to when I was really little, I love those books. Another favorite we loved is called The Philharmonic Gets Dressed, which is all about the members of the New York City Philharmonic Orchestra getting dressed in their apartments and their pre-show rituals before they show up to play music. That's on Amazon if anyone wants to give it. Um, But I really was into TV, hardcore, from like end of elementary school, middle school, high school. That was like the version of storytelling that resonated most with me. And in sixth grade, I remember we all had to do a hobby project my trifold poster was called the fine art of being a couch potato i glued you are joking i swear i got an a i put a tv guide glued to one my dad let me put our actual spare tv remote like from an old tv we had in one of the other rooms in the house on the poster and i talked about my favorite shows and like the lineup every week that i look forward to the teacher loved it the teacher loved it Shout out Miss Steinberg, day middle school. Loved it. So. Oh, you were a day night? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I went to day middle school in Newtonville, Massachusetts. Okay. And then I really got into reading in college. I had an amazing freshman year English teacher at Wheaton. And one of the books we read was The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. I know you're thinking, Molly, that's a wartime book. Why would you like that? It was the most, like, moved I had been by the written word and I actually wrote my essay about the book was called The Women They Carried about all the women in the lives of the soldiers that helped keep them going during the war their moms their sisters their girlfriends and that actually kicked off a long many years of reading historical fiction that kind of became a genre that I was very into especially stories of women in World War II I can't Mm -hmm. even keep track of all of those books that I've read Um, and then post-college when I started traveling more with friends is kind of when it took off again swapping books with people reading books on a plane reading books by a pool like what are you reading what are you into 
Who was the professor, by the way? So we called her by her first name. Her name was Catherine, and I'm trying to think what her last name was. I can picture her face. What was the class? So perfectly. It was just like the 101 English course freshman year that was the required kind of reading, writing course. Um, But I also formed a relationship through that class with Professor Susan Deering, who was leading the writing tutor program at the time. And I became a writing tutor at Wheaton sophomore, junior, and senior year because Catherine recommended me. Brand new information to me. I know. Oh, I didn't know you didn't know that. Yes, I was a writing tutor for the last three years. Um, So anyway, I got into reading more with friends while traveling. And I would say even now, like I most enjoy to read on a plane, on vacation, when I have no other distractions and Mm -hmm. I can just fully immerse into what I'm doing. And as far as favorite genres right now, I still read a lot of historical fiction, but I am far down the romance rabbit hole, or as Steph's dads would say, the smut (laughs) rabbit hole. Um, Right now, my favorites are Jasmine Guillory, Christina Lauren, Tessa Bailey. Steph turned me on to Tessa Bailey, and she has, I think, over 40 books, and I'm doing my best to move through them quickly. But I also really love the celebrity memoirs. I cannot resist the celeb memoirs. At first, like I loved Tina Fey's book. Have you read the Minka Kelly one yet? Not yet. Okay, that should definitely be. I loved Mindy Kaling. <laughs> yes, I I loved Mindy Kaling's book. I loved Tina Fey's book. Lena Dunham's book. Um, Chriselle Ma- <laughs> from Selling Amy Sunset. Poehler. Amy Poehler. Jessica Simpson. Jessica Simpson. For those who haven't read Jessica Simpson's you memoir, know male celebrity. It's called memoirs. Open Book. Yes, I do. Does I was gonna say has a good one. Does she though? The two that I loved the most so much that I won't lend them to other people because I'm worried about not getting them back. Michelle Obama becoming that to me is like one of the best things I've read in my adult life, and Shonda Rhimes, The Year of Yes. Oh, you lent that to me. It is one of those books where if you feel like you're at a point in your life where you're stuck or you're not sure what to do next or you feel like you've sort of been repeating behavior patterns, she talks about just deciding to say yes to every opportunity that came to her for one full year. And she was very vulnerable in sharing all the things that she had to overcome, fear of public speaking. She gave a commencement address, which she never thought she would do, things that she did as a television producer, as a mother. Um, So those two are probably my top two. But yeah, I would say my like trifecta is the historical fiction, romance, and then all about the celebs. Mm -hmm. I just want to give a quick shout out to a librarian on Instagram who's doing really great things with his platform. His handle is M-Y-C-H-A-L-3-T-S. What do you like about this librarian? Um, he's a cat person. We should <laughs> First have known. And foremost. Uh, we should have known. <laughs> Not um, about the books, people. The cats. No, he is so welcoming to every person that comes into the library, whether it's a child speaking a different language or an unhoused person. He just is all about making public libraries a place of happiness and I I just love that so I have to say this summer I met the librarian at the town library in Hull Massachusetts which is where my dad grew up and where I now have a place and I was taking my nephew there every week for the story hour she did a reading challenge for the local kids of Hull all Taylor Swift themed so the more you read the more beads you could get for your friendship bracelets she organized these amazing story hours with books and crafts and songs. They're going to do a haunted house 
next weekend all throughout the library. Awesome. These are like the unsung heroes, yeah. I feel, the librarians. Did anybody see that viral tweet of the element? I think she was an elementary school teacher that took her kids on vacation. Made the passports? She made them passports, yep. and she's like, we're going to Mexico, and... Like, they had all this gear, and they had to pack a bag, and, like... It was so cool. They had tickets and passports, and they went through the whole process of, like, this is what it would be like to go on vacation, and... Oh, my gosh. I know I'm a teacher, so I shouldn't say this about myself, but pay all the teachers more, because... Agreed. Those kids were having an absolute blast. They were learning things. Mm -hmm. Like, it was incredible. It was so, so cool. Yeah. Um... Well, we've blabbed quite a bit about ourselves. We're hoping that you feel like you know us a little bit. Should we talk about what we're currently reading before we Well, I was going to have Molly share what our like real, yes. real first episode is going to be about. Good idea. And then we'll tell you what we're reading between now and when you hear from us again. Yeah. So our next episode will be about a series that all of us have read and are clamoring for more called The Inheritance Games. Admittedly, I didn't know of this author or the books until Caitlin brought it into my orbit. Um, And we have, all of us, since read multiple books in the series. It is a YA series, but I don't feel like it reads like one. To me, it feels very sophisticated. And um, it covers many different things from more of a mystery vibe. There's also family dynamics. There's sort of an eminent threat of danger, mm-hmm. and it there's is... A, there's a love triangle as well. Oh, yes. How could I forget? A love triangle <laughs> between the protagonist and two brothers. Mm-hmm. And if you have read it, we would love to hear from you. We want to hear everyone's thoughts. For those who have already read it, if you haven't, we'll sort of give you a sense for what you can look forward to. So the next time we're all together here on Plans Are Booked, we will talk about the inheritance games. But between now and when we talk again, Steph, why don't you tell everyone what you're reading this week? So I just finished late the other night, um, The Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston. She is the author of The Dead Romantics, which Caitlin oh, yeah. gifted me. And I now have on ago? my TBR pile. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic birthday gift from Caitlin. This one um, has a little time travel to it, um, but it takes place in New York and I haven't been to New York in many moons and I miss it. So that was lovely. Um, and then I just started reading In the Weeds. Um, if you can't tell, this is a romance kick that I'm currently on. Um, yeah, that's me. What about you? I have multiple books going on, as I always do. I'm reading A Long Walk to Water by Linda Sue Park because I'm teaching it. That's about a lost boy in Sudan. Um, there's a parallel story about a girl who's in more present-day Sudan and her, like, water journey. So I'm reading that, like, with my students. And then I am reading The Butcher and the Wren, which is a murdery mystery. Two points of view in that one. One is uh, the coroner, and the other is the serial killer that is giving her problems. Um, and that is written by the... Um, podcast host of Morbid Mm -hmm. and she in her professional life before she became a podcaster and an author was a um, an autopsy tech so she has a lot of experience working like in a coroner's office and so um, that's really fast-paced and great and then for my book club 
Um, I just started listening to The Postcard by Anne Barrest, which is, um, I think it's partially based on a true story, but it's about um, a postcard that gets delivered to a woman's address, and it has no note on it other than the names of all of her relatives that died in the Holocaust. Mm. And so she tries to figure out where it came from and why she got it. And um, the woman that wrote it is um, French, and it's translated into English. Hmm. Um, So I will let you know about that one. Um, So listening to one, reading two. Okay. I have to say, unlike Stephanie and Caitlin, who usually are doing a few books at once, mm-hmm. I can only do one at a time. I don't have your gift of multiple narratives all at the same time. Well, but that's why there's four that I have started reading but have not picked up again because I can only focus on one book. Yes, yes. <laughs> Stephanie has the Prince Harry memoir, by the way, and has that's had it for months, and I've been waiting for it to come oh, to me. Oh, God, months. Um, I'll finish it. Don't worry, I will. Yes, speaking of England, though, what I'm currently reading is called Queen Bee by Amelie Howard, which is YA, a little bit romance. I would describe this book as Bridgerton meets Mean Girls. It's a revenge plot of a teenage girl who is sort of lower in the class system and sort of sneaks her way into the Regency life. Um, and is trying to get back at a friend who wronged her in their early years. The best. It's quite good. Um, I also want to say that I found that book. I hadn't heard of it. I didn't know of it in advance. But about two weeks ago, Stephanie and I went to the Beacon Hill bookstore, which has been all over Instagram in the Boston area for the past year. It's a beautiful four-story brownstone downtown and they have a great selection including a huge YA section and an entire dedicated romance room with a nice chair you can sit in um, so I just found it on the shelf there and I thought it sounded great so I'm excited to pass that one on to the two of you if listeners you want to keep tabs real time what we're reading what we're talking about announcements of new books coming out that we're jazzed about you can follow us on Instagram our handle is at plans are booked all one word um, and the three of us are all contributing there, so you'll see from each one of us the things that we're jazzed about, and you can see our TBR stacks are up there right now if anyone wants to see what we're reading. And please send us book memes and content because we love it, and mm-hmm. we'll repost it and totally give you credit. Um, I think that that is a wrap on our introductory episode. We really appreciate you listening and telling others about our podcast and that we're doing it. And until next time, our plans are booked.